0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The Chicago Bears found themselves in another barn burner as they defeat the New York Giants at the last play of the game off an Eddie Jackson pass deflection 17 13. I bring on none other than Windy City Gridiron's own Sam Householder to walk through the game and digest this one on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And we are coming to you, well, not live, but real close to the game after a... Barn burner, a nail biter, yet another game that ended off of a Bears defensive back deflection, this time with the ball bouncing the other direction against the Bears a lot more than it did last week with that DeAndre Swift drop there at the end, but I will tell you. Take it. The Bears are 2-0, 17-13, and I'm coming at you with Sam Householder, none other than the Windy Cedar Gridiron betting stalwart, ready to talk through the game. Sam, how's your heart rate after that one?
2: Man, I don't know how many of these uh, nail-biter close finishes I can take. Um, My heart rate is finally returning to normal, but uh, it was was really uh, up in my chest. Um, yeah, right, right I believe it. In there.
1: I'll tell you what, this game was really, really bizarre for me because after a first half where the Bears looked unbeatable, I mean, they looked really, really good. I'll start off with this take. This was, and it's weird to say after a game that involved two interceptions, one of the cleanest games I've seen Mr. Trubisky play his entire career. We could get into breaking down the picks and his touchdowns later. I'm sure we will. He is the quarterback. But for for once... It really didn't feel as if I was asking myself the usual question I do, which is, what would this offense be with a baseline NFL quarterback? Today, I actually thought it was a lot of the ancillary pieces on the offense that kind of went against them. Or that let Trubisky down is probably the better way to say it later in the second half. And plus, a couple of, we'll call them ticky-tack calls, went against the Bears defense, extending drives. This one got really really dicey right there at the end and honestly it really never felt like I was disappointed in the quarterback play in fact I actually thought it was pretty good uh today what did you think Sam
2: uh I would agree actually I'm I'm with you 100% on that I, I'm not like you said we'll get into the interceptions I, I'm not 100% sure that they're on Trubisky all the way um again we can really dive into it later but um I was also actually pretty impressed with, with the way he played. Um, I think there were a couple inopportune drops um, and some other things that that just didn't really go the bear's way. I agree There were some ticky tack calls, uh, some things that I really thought should have gone their way that ended up not going their way. And um, you know, it just, yeah. Another nail biter of a game that, (laughs) Yeah, after halftime, if you had told me that it was going to end up being a four-point game, I, I, you know, would have been like, no shot, because it didn't seem like it was going to be that way. And but I don't know, um, you know, you'd rather be two and zero than than one and one or zero and two. And clearly, Bears are are literally just one or two plays away from being zero and two. But at least this is momentum you can build off of. I do think you you can feel pretty good about uh, Mitch Trubisky after this week, especially compared to last week where you saw three quarters where you were just like, here we go again. Um, at least this week they, they started strong this time and kind of had to eke it out at the end instead of having the wild finish. But um, I definitely think that uh, it's something to build off of clearly. And uh, yeah, you, you feel good about the quarterback play this week. Absolutely. And you know what? We
1: really might as well just dive right on into the quarterback like as soon as we can. We've beaten around the bush enough. We'll get to the rest of the game later. Let's start with the hottest topic. What really impressed me. So I'm somebody that's been really, really critical of Mitch in the past. And I would say that from what I have seen, he's deserved it. But as I've said in the past, and I finally get an opportunity to prove it for crying out loud, I'm really just trying to be objective. Mitch Trubisky, is not ever going to be wildly crazy accurate. I have accepted that. That's just who he is. It's really hard for a quarterback to change, if you will, their accuracy rating. However you want to think of it, they have. everybody has a cone of accuracy. Aaron Rodgers is crazy small. Josh Allen's is very, very large. Mitch Trubisky's, If you gave him a dartboard, he's gonna hit around the edges of that dartboard sometimes and you just gotta make a play. What I've been consistent about is he needs to make good decisions. He needs to check the ball down when it's not available. Give his guys chances to make plays in space. Make the right call. And if you can make the right decision, I'm okay with execution issues, I will live with it. That's what I need from my quarterback at a baseline. Today, Mitch threw to the right guy almost every time. I'll give you my quick take on both of those interceptions. With Allen Robinson's first one, I guess they're both Allen Robinsons. With the first interception, I watched it back. Mitch maybe could have thrown the ball a little sooner. Like, I'm not going to pretend it was an incredible throw because he threw it what seemed like about a half second, maybe a full second after Allen and Robinson had broken. But I also think Robinson misread the ball and stopped in front of it only to realize it was actually a little further outside of his catch radius than he expected. And that let the de- the defensive back back into the play. Think back to the, the ball that he threw to Cole commit. That one hit him right in the gut because he because not only did Mitch put the ball right on him, but. The point is a defender can't access the football when a receiver has full coverage over it. And I did think Robinson had time to shuffle over and get right in front of that ball. Call it Alan Robinson's fault if you want. I actually think that's a little harsh. The point is the play didn't go the Bears way. And I would say that it came down to a misread between the quarterback's throw placement and the receiver's positioning. But I'm not going to call Alan Robinson, who's been the Bears hero wrong on that one I will pin the second one more on Robinson than Trubisky I mean the quarterback had his number one wide receiver his Julio Jones not quite at that level but the big guy who catches everything one-on-one with a defensive back that was turned away from the ball I'll take that every time I understand some people are going to look back and they're going to say Cordell Patterson was open but quarterbacks especially quarterbacks like Trubisky are not they, they don't have a third eye They can't see the entire field. Sometimes guys are going to be open away from the play and they're just away from the play. I mean, in this case, he had Robinson on the fade route. And if you want to critique the throw placement and say it was a little under, that's fine. He didn't overthrow it. He gave Robinson a chance at the ball. And even though Robinson's going over the top to catch that thing, I'm still shocked it ended up in a defensive back's hands because you would think that with Robinson being the first guy to touch it, that should never end up caught by the guy on the other team. It's at least ought to be an incompletion again. I'm not trying to say that Alan Robinson doesn't deserve an extension and that he's not still one of my favorite offensive players on the Chicago bears. But whereas I've seen a lot of Mitch Trubisky interceptions in the past that either got dropped out of nowhere by Detroit's uh, defensive backs. One hit uh, a def- one of the defensive backs on the gin throw from last week, hit a guy in the chest. The other tipped ball off a Rob's hands obviously was a big one. And then there was another down on the goal line. That was a supposed throw to Dave Montgomery that ended up hitting a defender in the hands. All those could have gotten caught, and they all would have been Mitch's fault. These two today, football happens. Sometimes a passing play gets intercepted. And I actually didn't think they were really all that poor on the quarterback especially when you give the fact that the rest of the game Mitch was throwing head fakes there was that screen play he made where he faked a ball back towards the screening defender and then ran around him and picked up a first down there were a lot of little things Trubisky did today that looked like he was much more in command and knew what he was doing and executed on it and to that I've got to give him credit I really did think he played pretty well now, I know I've just said a lot, but your turn, Sam. What did you think of the quarterback play top to bottom?
2: Um, I, I think I, I tend to agree with you, Robert. Um, I think that uh, there there were a lot of good things. Uh, I thought David Montgomery's touchdown, I really liked how Trubisky kind of um, sold the run just enough to get the linebacker to bite and then toss it over his head. You know, that's, that's a veteran quarterback move. I'm not sure that's something we would have seen Trubisky do even as recently as last year um and like you said i I kind of felt the same way about the interceptions um i always feel like tip passes are um rarely on the quarterback because you can talk about the decision you can talk about the window maybe it was a little late but honestly deflected balls are pretty much 50 50 once they're once they're deflected and in the air and that's why it's like I, i don't put that one entirely on mitch because because how often do those just hit the turf and you right. go, oh, well, that was close. Um, my heart was in my chest for half a second. And now we move on. And then the, kind of the same thing with the with the ball down the sideline to, to Robinson. You know, it, fade routes are more or less 50-50 balls. And um, too often the interceptions on those plays come where the defensive back turns around and watches the ball into his hands and this was one of the super rare occasions where the defender never ever turned his head around and managed to come down with the ball, which again, rarely happens in the NFL. Um, and especially like you said, it was in Robinson's hands. So if you have a player that gets the ball in his hands, very rarely does that end up in the defender's hands without the defender having looked back to see the ball coming in. Right. Um, it's It's almost just, you say, well, that's just, You know, bad luck for the Bears. Good luck for them. Um, But, you know, I I don't want to necessarily sell that. that, uh, I forget the player's name. But, man, that was a really, really athletic play. Um, Right. And, you know, and again, when he punched the ball the way he did, usually you see that ball get punched out and hit the turf. And, again, you're just like, well, that was kind of a close call or whatever. Man, really close to a reception. Twitter
1: would be posting Cordero Patterson wide open. Like yeah, you just... they would, they'd be saying, Oh, it's a bad decision. And people would be like, it's a fade route. They dropped it. It happens sometimes the fact that it ended up in the defensive backs hands when he wasn't even looking for the ball yeah. makes you go, I don't know. I'd take that decision. Robinson had a chance at it. I, some people are saying that that's an underthrown ball. I would respond with I see big guys like Robinson catch that every single week in the NFL, often more than once. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not something again, You could call it a fluke. You could call it a bad play by Allen Robinson. Football happens so often. I have no doubt Robinson will make up his standing with Bears fans, regardless of what you think of the play. But it goes down as an interception on Trubisky. And kind of like you're alluding to, I just didn't think he did anything egregious or nothing that plenty of other quarterbacks wouldn't unintentionally do. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. Um, I definitely agree. I, I, yeah, it's just one of those things where you just kind of chalk it up like you hate to. And I don't think either one of us are doing this, but, you know, there's Mitch gets enough flack that we don't need to bend over backwards to, to defend him or to criticize him. But I legitimately think that you can objectively look at both interceptions today and say, yeah, not not 100 percent his fault, not horrible choices, not, you know, not head scratchers they 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 were decent reads they were you know like you said on the first one maybe he he uh mistimed it but you you can't say that it's uh that it was you know just awful decision making or just tossing it up for grabs or whatever he he saw the things that were that told him that you know that was the place to put the ball and um the defense just made good plays
1: right Uh, And one thing that sticks out to me especially is that a lot of times with Trubisky, it can feel like even some of his best plays are made up for by a team that plays really well around him. Like in Detroit, the offensive line was just fabulous, both sides of the ball. But what I'll say here, so Mitch reminded me today a lot of Derek Carr. Derek Carr if you've watched him a ton he doesn't read the whole field that's just not part of his game he reads one maybe two people and if somebody's only kind of open that's okay because he'll throw plenty of head and shoulder fakes and use his legs to try to create throwing windows for players that might not necessarily be open Mitch did that not once not twice but like three times today where with a quick pump fake or a head fake a quick stop and go he opened up somebody's openness and then and he drilled the target. Not to mention, I, I have to mention it, because if I don't, I would I would consider myself like not an objective journalist, analyst, whatever you want to call me. But Mitch made, I think the best play of his career today. That throw to Darnell Mooney was the prototypical good player touchdown that you could have possibly drawn up because Mitch used his legs to keep the defensive line on the other side, on the outside, basically forced them into contain, stayed in the pocket though, kept his eyes downfield and threw a really nice trust ball to darnell mooney and a lot of people have said like i got this comment a couple times on twitter that the ball was too wobbly or it needed to be better but again i'm not asking for the world from trubisky he kept his eyes downfield he recognized a clean pocket when the pocket was indeed clean and he gave his playmaker a chance to make a play just like he did with the with the montgomery touchdown and darnell mooney who's just had a fabulous season so far came up big when the bears needed it really if we can get quarterback but play like this every single week i'm fine with trubisky finishing the season this is this is enough
2: yeah i i would agree with that um i i think that you're right uh you know this is a little bit better than the expectations were i think um at this point and i think you're right that you know darnell mooney was not to, to my eye, and, and I think you probably know the X's knows a little better than me, but he was not the first read. He wasn't, I don't even think he was the second read. And so, like you said, you know, it was a really good play. He, he read the defense, he kept the play alive, and he threw to a guy who, you know, had to kind of run around in the end zone a little bit and, and kind of make it happen after the play somewhat broke down. Um, and those are things that you don't often see from him. And uh, so it was, yeah, that was. I mean, I think that was by far the best play of Trubisky's day. And you're right. Like, if you get, if we're going to get that week in, week out, I think you're going to ride with Trubisky for 16 games. Um, right. which I'm not sure that any of us really, I certainly didn't. And I, I still wouldn't say I wouldn't put money down that. Trubisky's going to be the 16 game starter, but um, this, this is this uh, is this game was certainly more promising than last week, and and there weren't and I and I tend to agree with the the sort of all 22 after the all 22 came out way late um, that his game last week wasn't quite as bad as some made it out to be, um, but I think that this week was was much better, at least slightly more consistent for for four complete quarters.
1: I think so. Certainly one thing that's trouble with evaluating Mitch off of broadcast footage in particular is that a ton of it comes down to benefit of the doubt. Do you believe Trubisky did blank thing intentionally? Or do you think that he just got lucky and it worked out for him? Perfect example from Detroit last week is the 20-yard scramble he had late. Mitch Trubisky had Tariq Cohen open against a linebacker that was sprinting just to try to keep up with him. And instead, he ate, a, he ate a tackle that could have sacked him, but instead got face-masked and ran for 20 yards. It's a 35-yard gain, but was it a good play? Did he do it on purpose? Another example to pull from the Detroit game, there's that quick play a play-action 13-yarder he had to Allen Robinson early in the game where the ball looked a little behind him. But there was a safety coming on to hit him. So did he put that ball there on purpose to protect his player, or was it a throw behind Allen Robinson that Mitch just got lucky on? There's so many of those you-tell-me moments where if you want to say Mitch is a crappy quarterback, you probably could. And if you want to say that he did it on purpose and it's actually really good, you probably could do that too. And a game like today, again, I am not trying to talk about whether or not Mitch gets the franchise tag. Let's do that after the season. That's a lot of money. That's a big commitment. But in terms of should he be benched after today, resounding no. I want that every single week. I frankly wish we'd gotten that last week, and I'm more than ready to call this a good game and move on and talk about the other 21 players on the field. What about
2: you? yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, the defense, because <laughs> that needs some uh, that needs some discussion. That merits some discussion, oh,
1: yeah. And it's a weird game from him, too, right? Because you could make the argument that the defense was dominating uh, like too hard. I mean, let's go back to the Eddie Jackson pick. Oh, and that's not to mention Robert Quinn. He did exactly what I illustrated in that video that I made about him early in the offseason, as he just immediately raced around the edge, strip sacks Daniel Jones, everything's good. Then, later, the defense is putting so much pressure from the front four, as well as the fact that the defensive backs are sticky in Chicago. Uh, Deion Bush comes up with an interception. Everything looks good. Rosie. And then all of a sudden Roquan Smith takes a penalty for basically initiating his tackle earlier than Daniel Jones initiated his slide and just, he tried to place it safely, but you can't touch the quarterback when they're going down. And I don't know me personally, I think defense is way too hard. And when you're putting defenders in positions where it's actually possible for them to get a penalty for doing nothing wrong, I think that that's a problem. And then Eddie Jackson got called for play or for pass interference on a play where if you're asking me, as the guy who tries to act like an X's and O's analyst sometimes, it really looked like Eddie Jackson just flat out beat the the throw to his man and that penalized him for it. And that really bums me out because quarterbacking, while it's hard enough, you shouldn't be able to get rewarded for throwing to a covered player, if that makes sense. And that's what that one felt like to me. I don't know. It really felt like the Bears defense was all over the Giants. And they started to make some plays. Certainly they had a horrific injury hit them in the form of Saquon Barkley that took a little bit of the wind out of their sails. But Deion Lewis is no slouch either and ultimately I felt really good about the defense coming away from this one. What about you?
2: Um I mean, yeah, I I guess, but I I don't Talk
1: know. me through I it. I can that take that it. You're allowed to...
2: to disagree. Yeah, but it's just I the thing is it bothers me that this defense has, has talked about, you know, wanting to get back to 2018 form. That's talked about wanting to be elite. That thinks that it's one of the best units in the league, and then you watch it give up a 90, 95 plus yard touchdown drive. And elite defenses don't do that. And they had chances to get off the field on that drive. And it's just, and then you know, it, you don't see elite defenses very often, um, especially against. Uh, you know, subpar offenses that are missing their best player. You don't see those defenses um, having it come down to the last play of the game in within 15 yards of the end zone. And the the if this defense is, is truly going to be top 10 in the league, it can't do those things. And you know, you let Daniel Jones throw uh, 200 for four, 241 yards against you, and it, it just it just bothers me because I want to see. I guess my my expectations are high, and there were some good things because honestly, kind of at halftime, I kind of thought I I let the thought enter my mind like, are we going to get a shutout? Well, of course, then that late field goal, but it was like, man, this game really could be thirty-one to three or thirty-one to six. Like it, it had that kind of feel to it at halftime, and then suddenly you know the the offense kind of sputters a little bit and again like we we talked about a little bit with Mitch it wasn't entirely his fault and so you say well now they're getting back into it and the next thing you know they're getting the ball back with under a minute left and a chance to win the game and it was kind of like here we go again <laughs> and oh i get you uh, yeah so i don't know i i would have liked to have seen the pass rush was was there in the first half and um you know th- they made some plays in the second half and yeah that the Eddie Jackson thing was it felt t- he tacked me. Um obviously we're gonna be biased as Bears fans but um you know I'd call I
1: that i see... I'd say the same thing if that had happened to somebody else on the other team. Yeah. I, I think the so... defensive players should be able to get there. The ball that Bobby Massey caught off that tip I'm fine with the defender having beaten the receiver to the spot. I'd love for the call to be consistent because it looked to me like basically the same thing happened. But I am fine with how easy it is to get penalized on defense for defenders to be allowed to beat a throw to the man. I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it was it felt to me like it was one of those things where it was it was like almost the tie, like right Barely got there before the ball, and that's why I think that you do very often see that one, the the ref swallows their whistle, and you know, so so maybe it was by the by the rule of the law or the the way it's written. Like it probably was a flag throw, a penalty, but again, I just don't think that um, you see that not. Sunday in, Sunday out, you know, that, that, that's why it felt ticky tacky. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it All right. it's a it's a, Sam, tough play. it's a tough
1: play. I'm about to, you ready for this? Cause yeah. I'm about to calm you down and restore some faith. Okay. What do you think of the Steelers defense?
2: Well, I, I mean, they're pretty good, but how pretty much good. did they give up to the Broncos today? I mean, that's to Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> I right. don't know, man.
1: So what's complicated here is that I think the Steelers' defense is fabulous from a talent perspective, right? And I think offense is not that hard. It's not that I think offense is easy. I mean, obviously, guys like the Chiefs are just blowing up scoreboards. But let me rephrase this. In the National Football League, I think the minimum viable score, like the put-a-bunch-of-replacement-guys-in-on-offense score, is rising, and has been over the last couple of years. And this Steelers defense went out against the Giants. Uh, I believe that they were away, and they gave up more yards from Daniel Jones, around 270 and about 10 points compared to what the Bears did today. We agree that some calls went or went against the Bears direction, but the Bears held Jones to 245 yards and the the Giants for crying out loud had gotten like a free field goal off of the first interception and then they got another field goal off of the second one. So you could you could make the case that it's two points off turnovers, but the point that I'm trying to make is that you could look at this quarter and very fairly assess this half, well, the second half and say the Bears turned the ball over for differing reasons, and the defense struggled to make up for that amidst a couple of penalties that may not happen that same way every time. Even the Steelers' defense gave up a 75-yard drive to this giant offense on a, or in a game where Saquon really wasn't playing fabulously, and I shrug my shoulders, and I look back and I say, the Bears didn't get beat over the top like the Steelers did at any point in the game. They held fairly stout, and especially when you look like from a player-to-player perspective, or T- uh, Tequan, or oh gosh, I'm butchering his his name. Gibson, the safety, has not been like seen throughout the last two games, and that's great news for the guy who's supposed to be backing up Eddie Jackson. If you're not getting targeted and you're not making plays, you are doing your job. Jalen Johnson got targeted twice, and he looked like the best corner I've ever seen. That's a super big overstatement. I say it hyperbolically, but he was so all over his guy that targeting Jalen Johnson just looked like a waste of time. And that was the only two targets he had all game long. It, it feels like the, the recipe is there to mix it up and get an incredible defense. And it may not be 2018 level, but that's, that is one of the best defenses ever. I'm willing to walk away from that season and say that, but this looks like a very, very good defense. As long as the ball can keep, or as long as the offense can, you know, put points on the board, even just some, and keep giving them a lead to defend, I trust them with it so far. Even if it did come down to the very, very end of the game.
2: Yeah, I, you know, that does make me feel a little bit better um, because <laughs> yeah. because you do make a good point, and uh, you know, it, it, and sometimes we see defenses get slow starts to the season. Um, I mean, you know, look no further than the 85 Bears. I mean, they, I think the first like three or four games of that year were all kind of nail biters, sort of like this, um, where it kind of came down to late game heroics. And I'm not saying that that's what this season is going to be, because I don't think any of our expectations are there. But, I, you know, defenses do sometimes start slow, and it takes a little bit especially and without the preseason we don't know what that's doing to these guys um without an ex, you know by any means a normal training camp and and things of that nature so there is some of that going on i think and and so you're right um and there were like i said there there were a lot of good things like you said jalen johnson looked looked good but i mean cal fuller was himself like he's playing up to looks great yeah it's like no problem like you you know what you're getting from kyle fuller at this point and him deflecting balls and and shutting down his man for the most part it's you know you're not talking about it because it's expected and so and eddie jackson looked really good today um you know there it's hard to say what where the game would have been had saquon not got hurt and it sounded like late in the game they were reporting it's the dreaded acl tear And, you know, that's a heartbreaker. That's uh, it's horrible. I I really did. I felt that because, um, you know, I'm not a Giants fan by any means, but Saquon is just a fun player to watch. And, you know, that's, that's a loss and he's still on his rookie deal and all that. So I I hate seeing young guys that, that, uh, are so much fun to watch, especially at a, at a position like running back. Um, I, I hate to see someone like that miss a whole season. Um, but, uh, But, yeah, so you wonder where the game would have gone because he did rip off, what, like a 22-yarder or something like right before he went out of the game.
1: He popped right through the hole. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and, I mean, there was a big hole there. And so, I don't know, what's your level of concern with uh, the inside backers? Because I didn't really think Danny Trevathan looked particularly great again today. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be concerning going forward.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: He looks to me like he's getting targeted, and anytime a team targets a player, that's bad. It, it's, it's exactly the opposite of defense, right? So Tariq Cohen got extended. By the way, haven't gotten a chance to comment on that. I love the deal. I think it's exactly the right value, if not a bit of a discount for the Bears, because he catches so many balls. You could make the argument that don't even treat him like a running back. Fiscally, you could treat him like a number two wide receiver, and he still got paid less than Taylor Gabriel did two years ago in an inflating market. You can talk about that in a little bit, because I need to move on, (laughs) move back on. I think one of the troubles when we talk about this defense, and I'll get to the inside backers in a second, I just have to say this, is that we're Bears fans. We are the exception we're the team that can win a game throwing seven passes. We are what no one else is. We think giving up 13 points is a big deal. And in nine games so far today, only three teams, that means out of like 18 teams, three teams have get, or have held their opponent to 13 points or less. And that's two teams that scored 13 points and one that scored 11 Almost everybody else in the league is giving up a minimum of 20 points, including the Steelers, like you mentioned to Denver. And we are we are acting like 13 points is an affront to pride because defense in this city is a big freaking deal. And giving up that many is considered almost like giving up one touchdown is considered ghastly. So I do think we can pump the brakes at a little bit and say, yeah, even to the Giants holding the 13 point, given some of the breaks that we got, given the short fields that we gave away, given the flow of the game was pretty good. Like, we closed out the game due to quality defensive coverage. There are things to like. I don't think we need to be nervous about the defense as a whole. But you talked about easily my biggest worry. This feels like a defense that's playing with 10 men when Danny Trevathan's on the field. And that breaks my heart to say because I thought he was one of the most criminally underrated Bears in 2018 and for that first part of 2019. But right now, he looks he looks slow. He used to have kind of like a psychic power thing going for him where he could anticipate the other team's play and be running in the direction of the ball carrier, like literally three steps before the snap happens. But right now he just looks he literally looks like he's jogging after his assignment in man coverage. And I mean, it is it's heartbreaking to watch because when a player, quote, unquote, loses it, it's it's gone and it's gone quickly and it's done so in an unforgiving way. But. As somebody who wants to watch this Bears team win, I don't know how they they don't like scour the NFL for another replacement linebacker, whether it I I don't even have names, uh, but it's it's a problem. And it's only magnified by the fact that this defensive line doesn't have two run stuffers. They just have one with the opt out of Eddie Goldman. And that means that you really need that that linebacker next to Roquan Smith, who's not a a Mike linebacker. He's not going to fill any holes anytime soon to be a good run support player. I know he's injured, and obviously we can't take it back, but this feels like a defense that would have jived better with a guy like Nick Kotowski than a guy like Danny Trevathan given Goldman's opt-out, which nobody could have foreseen. I would be surprised. I'm not a guy who likes to call for big names, but Snacks Harrison makes a lot of sense for the Bears right now. Just a space-eating lineman that sits next to, to Akeem Hicks and says, we don't need contribut- or contributions from the linebackers. We got this. But I mean, like you're asking about, level of concern, it's high. You can't go two weeks in a row with offenses. I I like Detroit's offense. I'm sure they're fine. And frankly, they put up a pretty good scrap in the first half of the Detroit game before the wheels kind of fell off. Uh, But the the Giants are just not that great in offense. And yeah, we gave up 13 points, and I was just crowing about it. But I can still say that they're really not that great in offense. And seeing them target Danny Trevathan successfully – it, it's not great
2: yeah definitely um i think that uh i think you're right and it is concerning and you do i we talked about this a little bit on the wcg live stream this morning um with steve steven and uh jeff we we were talking about Trevathan and how he looked last week and saying you know is this suddenly the the where you, where you look back at it and say they picked the wrong linebacker. Um, and, you know, it wasn't that hard for him to make that de- decision at the time because you kind of looked at it and said, like, well, you know, I think they thought Kwiatkowski was going to get a slightly larger deal than he did. They were looking at how much money they already had tied up on their defense. And in, so in a lot of ways, it, it kind of made sense because Trevathan had played at such a high level last year. Right. Um, I didn't
1: think he was a season away from being over the hill either.
2: Let's no, just no, call no, it like it nobody is. Nobody saw it coming. So, so yeah, they. I don't think that they necessarily picked the wrong linebacker other than by age. But at the end of the day, um, you're kind of stuck with, with what you got now. And, right. um, yeah, I mean, you, you hope that – <clears throat> um, there's nowhere to go but up, but it certainly looks like uh it's fallen away from Trevathan and quickly. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's tough because I'm a firm believer that hindsight analysis isn't analysis. It's like how at the time I commented that I thought the Jimmy Graham extent or the Jimmy Graham signing was for too much money. And I loved Robert Quinn the player, but other people that are a little smarter with the cap have pointed out it was a lot of money. And for a team that, as we saw, wasn't just looking to extend Allen Robinson, but extend Tariq Cohen as well, it's a lot of money to hand out. Trevathan fits in that category. He got a pretty hefty deal himself. The terms specifically escape me, but I know it goes on through 2025, if you count void years, and is not a cheap deal. And Nick Kwiatkowski, when I mention him, it's really more tongue-in-cheek, because I think the Bears could use that run-supporting linebacker. It's, again, not that Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris are playing badly against the run. It's that they're not playing great, and we're so accustomed to watching, I mean, real greatness in run-stopping action between Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks that it looks nasty. Usually this is why defenses have one inside backer play that will linebacker spot. That's a weak inside linebacker that basically they run to the sidelines and then... There's usually a strong side linebacker that hits the gap really hard, takes on a blocker, and we don't have that. It used to be Danny Trevathan kind of trying to play, wear both hats at the same time, and now that he's lost a step, I really do think it exposes the fact that Roquan Smith is – look, this is going to sound awful. Roquan Smith is best as Robin and not Batman, and he needs a Batman that's going to play the run and be decent in coverage, decent enough to let Roquan go do his thing completely unfettered. And with Danny Trevathan, let's call it stepping out of that Batman role. You, I mean, defense or offenses in the NFL and fans of the bears alike can see it's a problem. And if the bears can find a solution, they need one as soon as they can get it.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, they're, it doesn't look like they're going to be in a, in a great spot there. And, you know, it, it is concerning that we're not seeing that next step from Roquan for, for whatever reason, he, he's still a really good player, um, but he's just not great. You know, um, there were talks of a possible future all pro and, you know, we're just not seeing that guy. Um, you know, he can lead the bears in tackles, um, you know, every year basically, but, uh, it's just not, not the next level, not that next elite level that that you want from a top 10 pick at that position. Um, now that said, um, yeah. So I think that the, you know, the inside backers are going to be a talking point all year long for, for these reasons and, um, everything we're talking about and especially, you know, the, obviously, <clears throat> their pass coverage is concerning, but uh, the the run stuffing too.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I one thing uh, just to dive in while you're at it. It's funny because this defense is better than most defenses I've watched in the past at protecting against the pass. As far as defending the pass goes, this defensive back unit is holeless. Like Buster Screen is spicy in that nickel spot, and he's making short yards tackles. And if they throw it too late, he breaks up the pass like we saw in Detroit. Jalen Johnson looks like a veteran corner. I mean, he's an upgrade over Prince of Mukamura, and I can't stress enough, that's not supposed to happen. Out, or after a rookie corner, that's yeah. not supposed to happen. It's happening anyways. Eddie Jackson looks like the safety he's paid to be. Uh, Gibson is in place. He's doing what he should. And Kyle Fuller is a really nice defensive back himself. Add in Deion Bush, who's not a bad sixth defensive back. This defensive back field is very, very good. You could make a very strong argument, and I would agree with it, that it's better than a pass rush that's been all the rage to talk about in this offseason, and frankly, it is the strongest point of the Bears' defense. That's why I think the linebackers are going to get as much play as they are. You bring up a good point, because defense is sort of a weakest link sport. You could build an offense around just an offensive line, two receivers, and Patrick Mahomes, and it would be a good offense, because offense is top-heavy. Defense is relies on your floor if your worst player is bad he will hold your defense back a lot because at the moment it looks like if you commit six pass rushers to the bears offense or pass rush they stop their guy and you get danny Trevathan in an iso man route it's a free first down and if i can figure that out you better believe other offenses are going to figure it out in a hurry and i'm still optimistic I think that there are solutions that the Bears can try to execute on. And certainly, I mean, we all hope that this offense, which looks to be rolling another good off or er, performance from the offensive line. Cole Kmet jumped in with a key catch. Darnell Mooney looks, I mean, as good as Jalen Johnson, almost, in terms of his effectiveness at that level. And eventually, some of your best players are going to have down days. Probably goes down as a down day for Allen Robinson. Uh, you hope that the offense can contribute more than 17 points going forward. And if the defense can keep it to 20 or less, that's enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the recipe this year. And um, I think that that was kind of what I was preaching going into the season. And I think we've seen it through two games. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's so early and you hate to, like, start crowning rookies. But, man, don't you just get the feeling that this is a rookie class that uh, – a, a whole draft class, I should say – that, that there's real potential here that we're talking about these guys about the the 2020 draft class in another three or four years and we're seeing these guys because of the early impact they're having and granted they have a long ways to go in their careers you know uh, opponents are going to adjust to them you know that's how this league works um, you know players need to adjust their game even if they're a standout rookie or whatever. Um, and they always got to be adding to their arsenal. But, man, if these guys develop on the path they're already on after two games, this really, really, I feel like, has a chance to be a low-key draft class that we're talking about as like, oh, yeah, like maybe the Ryan Pace era in the long run won't work out. But we'll be looking back and going, yeah, but you know what? He found Dar- Darnell Mooney in the fifth round, and that dude was – was catching three balls a game, right a off of without a training camp, and Jalen Johnson, like you said, looks like a veteran corner out there, and it's his second NFL game, and um, and Cole Komet, like yeah, he only has the one catch so far, but he's getting on the field, and you know, rookie tight end isn't a position that that we typically see a ton of rookie production from right. anyway. So just the fact that he can get on the field in without a usual normal offseason is is a testament to his ability to pick up a playbook and all those all those types of things even if we're not seeing the necessarily the catches and the touchdowns and the the sort of stats you want to see from from that type of draft pick but boy there's a lot of promising players in, in this draft class and again you know even Arlington Hambright the seventh round pick he's at least on the on the 53 man roster, even if he's not active on game day, it's so rare to see seventh round picks make the final roster in the first place. So there's just so much rookie potential on these guys that it's really incredible to see. And, and, you know, I was excited about the Mooney pick. I I think a lot of people were, I'm, I'm not the draft Nick that the EJ Snyder is, or or a lot of other guys that we have. Neither am I. Yeah. (laughs) and Um, so he wasn't a guy that i knew a ton about going into the process i was kind of excited about it but at the same time i was like fifth round pick we'll be lucky if if he makes a splash in december you know and here he is active in in favor over ted ginn in today. favor
1: of anthony miller like in let's David just call anthony it
2: what it is miller i mean he's taken snaps away from guys that have been on the team or been in this league a really long time at this point mm-hmm. so you look at those things and and you say Boy, that that's really exciting. It's it's there is a lot to be excited about with this rookie class, I think. And um, but yeah, you know, I this is kind of getting away from all the talk about the defense and the linebackers. But no, the, it's totally fine. Things out there, and it's something to build on, and it's something to be excited about. And you know, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really impressed thus far. And again, like I said, it's mm-hmm. early, and and these guys could could fade out and, and by early November, we're kind of like what happened to those guys. But right now it's it's looking good.
1: One thing that's really cool is that drafting is weird. So I've talked a lot to, maybe you know him, he used to be Brad OTC. Now he's Brad PFF. And one thing he talked about is he basically wrote an entire book and a term paper on how hard it is to beat the NFL draft and effectively you can't, like that's the overwhelming solution, is that there are some guys who we talk about as if they're better drafters than others, a lot of times they're not. It's all about understanding value. And Ryan Pace, whether he's lucky or good, who cares? He has gotten some serious value out of these late round picks, Bilal Nichols is considered a hit in the fifth round. That's what a fifth rounder's supposed to be. So the fact that he got Eddie Jackson out of the fourth round, Nick Kutowski, very good linebacker out of the fourth round, Jordan Howard, fifth round, Tariq Cohen, fourth round, and now Darnell Mooney out of the fifth round, it's huge. I mean, I'll call it this if you won't. After the 2019 draft class that doesn't look very good, like looking back at it, I mean, when David Montgomery, who's a very good player, but he plays the most replaceable position in the NFL, which is feature back. I think Cohen's totally different, could talk about, uh, could do a whole podcast on him and won't. A getting a starting and or outside cornerback, that if he keeps this up, will be in conversations of defensive rookie of the year. You get an inline tight end that, you know what? Maybe Cole commits only Kyle Rudolph, but Kyle Rudolph's a huge upgrade over what we've had at tight end over the last couple of years. You get Darnell Mooney. If he turns into a legitimate number two wide receiver out of only his first season with almost no training camp, I mean, this rookie class has some massive hits in the draft and it's exactly the kind of thing that the bears team needed to really stabilize themselves one thing that's really wild one thing that i straight up don't know how to feel about uh is this matt Nagy departure on offense from everything that has been west coast and back towards i'll say it if you won't more of a john fox offense with some matt Nagy attitude has been really wild to see i don't even know if i like it or not I know it fits Trubisky way better. You could tell today he really feels comfortable in this. But this is the kind of offense that I'll look, I'll look you dead in the eyes and say, you put Nick Foles in this offense, and he's going to look a lot more like Mike Glennon than he would in 2018, 2017 Nick Foles. It's not what makes him as good as he could be. But, hey, they're committing to their starting quarterback. That's awesome and it fits with the defensive formula. We're going to grind out the game. We're going to shorten the game. You're not going to get as many possessions as you want. I loved that last week against Detroit, Nagy tried to squeeze points at the last minute of the first half, and it went. It bit the bears in the butt, and Detroit scored a touchdown off of it. This, this game, I'm almost sure that he would have... I mean, he still pushed for points at the end of the half, but Mitchell Trubisky, for instance, slid down, took a sack that Lester's going to have to, quote-unquote, break down and say, oh, it's technically on Trubisky, but it's not a bad sack, because he kept the clock moving and third down and yeah, we missed a field goal, but he lost like a yard. It's, it's such, it's so wild to see Matt Nagy after two full seasons of being called stubborn and implementing my personal favorite offense in football, totally go away from his own offensive identity. I talked about that a little bit in my last breakdown video, but what do you think? I just want somebody else's perspective on the, the mist like the biggest ego in Chicago, quoting some fans, totally becoming somebody else for the sake of his football team.
2: Uh, I, I absolutely think that um, it's a good thing. Um, And I, and I think that it shows the adaptability of him, you know, last year, everybody did think he was too stubborn. And I think that um, he read the, he, he saw through, you know, he saw between the lines, he, he, he saw through everything and said, you know, this is what I have to do to, to, to win games and be effective and you know you just said i'm not even sure i like it yet do you like winning because now they're winning right <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> have to so i think you have to say that like yeah you know it's not what matt nagy wants and it's not what you know i'm not even sure that it's what a lot of fans want in a lot of ways um it's not what we expect but If it's what wins games and it's what helps the personnel that they have, especially a quarterback, I think that you look at those things and you say, yeah, you know what, let's let's tip our caps to um, to Matt Nagy because a year ago we weren't sure that he had this in him and we were frustrated and we were saying, look, you're trying to do things your quarterback can't do. And so now he's dialed it back and he's found things that his quarterback can do. And the offense certainly looks a lot better. Yes, they're only they're somehow only managing 17 points a game. And you'd like to see that go up a little bit. But, you know, again, there were extenuating circumstances today that we we talked about a little bit. Some drop passes um, looking at Anthony Miller and um, that
1: Anthony Miller drop in the end zone, by the way, was one of the better balls I've seen Trubisky throw in his entire career. Like it was a gorgeous pass.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, both of them hit Miller in the hands and, um, you know, the second one I don't think was as bad as that one in the end zone for sure. But but yeah, so you look at those things and you, you have to say, look, if we're about winning, if about winning football games and wanting to win football games and you want to see adaptability from your offensive coaching staff, you don't want them jamming a square peg into a round hole. That's what we're getting this season. And whether that's the, the assistance that he brought in this off season, whether that's him sitting down and being realistic with himself and saying, yeah, you know what? Like Mitch is going to, you know, I think they, they would have had to before the season starts when they're making their, their call at quarterback to, to sit down and say, well, if we go with Mitch, this is how we're going to have to adapt the, adapt the offense in order to fit these things. and, if we go with foals we're just gonna run what i want to run but in a less effective way and so i think that those things again i i I can't i feel like it's flying under the radar that we we do need to to give um to give uh matt and aggie credit where credit is due for um definitely adjusting and doing things differently than he's done in the past and and he needs to be mm-hmm. for that because like I said, and I'll say it again. We just didn't think he had it in him to do this. You know, we thought that there were mentions of Mike Marks last year where it was like, <laughs> yeah, remember Mike Marks didn't have an offensive line. He kept calling 10 step drops and all that stuff. And so at least now you're seeing an offensive coach in his third year who's still learning to be a good play caller um, again, this is something that we touched on with Jeff in the in the live stream pregame show was we we talked about Jeff brought up that like Matt Nagy's a good play caller, but he's a young play caller. He's not to Kyle Shanahan level, but he is a good play caller. And people, um, you know, took last season and said, well, he doesn't know what he's doing or he's stubborn or whatever, but his players weren't executing. And so now he's fitted fit the offense to something that his players can execute and we're seeing the fruits of that and um, so yeah I I don't think he's getting enough credit and maybe he will I think that people are are picking up on it now but um, I hope he does get the credit he deserves for you know um, adjusting and and saying this is what we have to do to win games even if it's not Mm -hmm. my identity and what I want to do
1: so one thing I have to tack on to the end of that is just how rare it is for coaches to truly change schemes. I I understand that there are so many fans that really do believe good coaches adjust. You hear that all the time. Good coaches adjust to fit their to their player. But what's key to remember is that most coaches... They don't really, like, adjust the system. It's more that systems are more flexible than you think they are. You can run a West Coast offense without tight ends. That's really not that hard. You can run a West Coast offense with only tight ends and no receivers. You Most teams don't make the Denver Tim Tebow adjustment or the Lamar Jackson on the Ravens adjustment because their quarterback can fit in their system a little bit. It's just a matter of how to make it work. This kind of wholesale change doesn't happen the Bears dropped almost their shotgun usage in half. That's crazy. You know how often Reed or Andy Reid's done that, based on the stats that I could find that went off the, all the way back to 2016? Never. You know how often Doug Peterson's done that? Never. They don't do it, and that's because most of the time, A, you get players that are going to fit your system, but B, your system is your system. You know how often New England has changed their shotgun usage more than about 5%? Never. It's a stable metric. It's bizarre, but it's stable. And so seeing Matt Nagy cut it in half, it's like he became a different person from an offensive perspective. And again, all I can do is tip my hat. That's very clearly a we over me move. And I know he preaches it. So to see it coming from the guy who preaches it, it's a big deal to me. Now, Sam, we are we are running way we we have got a long show, and we could keep going. So I have to batten down the hatches. Let's give our final thoughts on this game. Mine is short and sweet. This is the second game in a row that the Bears won closer than I would have liked, but it's also the second game in a row that I would say exactly what I said about last week's. This is a game that if and when the Bears in week 12, week 13, week 14, are in the hunt for a playoff spot, we will be looking back at and saying, thank God we beat the Giants because that one was tight same thing or I I would have said the same thing about the Detroit game I'll repeat it again here I thought there was good I thought there was bad we can come away with some very crystal clear takes on the team Mitch Trubisky's earned even I actually think he earned a bad performance and the ability to still start after that in this game he looked very good in my opinion and it's one of those you shrug your shoulders and you say well you can't win them all the way you want to but I'm glad we came out on the right side of this one
2: what about you Yeah, I think uh, my my key takeaway is, you know, winning ugly is better than is always better than losing. And uh, I think you're right. You know, these are the types of things that can build momentum, build confidence. And I think that Trubisky will be able to to sit through the team meeting on, on Tuesday or whenever and watch the game film and feel really good about the way he played. And. Uh, you know, maybe that gives them a, a little boost of confidence. Um, I think all along since the schedule came out, we've looked at the the Bears' September schedule and said they're going to have some opportunities to get off to a good start. And maybe that builds momentum for the rest of the season. And I think that that's still the case. So let's build on this. Let's see the defense um, fill up some of these shortcomings that they've had, especially um, at times against the run. And, you know, like we talked about those backer spots, and, and then let's see the offense just keep doing what it's doing, but more consistently. And so that those are my main takeaways. I, I think that I, I'm very impressed with the coaching job that Matt Nagy's done. Um, like I, I, I really think he's a really good coach. I think he deserves um, year four no matter what at this point. Um, personally, I really like him and, uh, you know, barring something insane – um, I think he should be back next year. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm hopeful. I'm I'm not that impressed with uh, some of the teams we have upcoming. And so, yeah, I, I just, I want to see the bears build on this and improve and put together, you know, four whole quarters. I feel like that's going to really be the talking point now.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, when we look uh, in front of us, Atlanta, real tough test next week. I wouldn't call them super duper hard. They're not like the Rams or the Saints, but they might be harder than the Buccaneers. Maybe. We don't really know. We have like one game. The Panthers settled back down. Uh, The Colts, I have no idea because I can't get a decent read on on Minnesota for crying out loud. But like you're saying. There's a lot of opportunity to pop out to a hot start. If we'd have been 0-2, the season would have been over. You can underline that because it's true. You can't lose to the Lions and the Giants and hope to make the playoffs. But they didn't. They came out 2-0. That's all you could ask for. Sam, where can folks find you online?
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Sam Householder, just like it sounds. Uh, And I'm over at Winnie City Gridiron, Um, writing two, three articles a week. And yeah, like you mentioned at the start... um, I'm a betting "quote unquote" expert, um, but uh, I did pick the Giants to cover today, so I guess that that worked out. But <laughs> but yeah, so you I was, got I, it. <laughs> I, I, I do the the game previews and other things. Uh, so yeah, check me out there.
1: Awesome! Can't wait to read "Stock Up and Stock Down" because I, you know, the only comment I had about it is I was dying for you to put Mitch Trubisky in both categories. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. like stock up
2: Let's and really stock like down. The comment section on
1: fire. <laughs> that, well, it, the contact section was on fire anyways. Either way, great to have you on the show.
2: Thanks so much. I, I appreciate you reaching out.
1: And Bears fans, that's going to do it for this week's show. If you like what I have to say, be sure to follow me on Twitter over at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, where I'll be breaking down this game all week. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion, for more stylized content towards the, the Bears and breaking down, but we'll see how that goes. Until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.